Listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, March 27th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Sitka Assembly continued to chip away at the city's budget for next fiscal year at a special meeting on Thursday. The Assembly continued to discuss the city's enterprise fund budgets with a focus on the city's capital projects planned for next year and beyond. City Finance Director Melissa Haley presented an overview of the city's utilities and internal service funds to the Assembly, outlining funding plans for major projects and infrastructure repairs. Some of the big-ticket items include long-planned rehabbing of the Green Lake Dam, a solid waste compactor that's being installed at the city's transfer station this spring, and a new $7 million disinfection system the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency will soon require for the city's wastewater department. Each utility fund will see rate increases next fiscal year, ranging from a 3% jump in electric rates to 8.5% for wastewater rates. According to Haley, for an average Sitka household that uses electric heat, all of the rate increases would total around $310 extra a year. A six-year legal battle between the estate of the late Molly Parks and the Petersburg Borough has ended. On February 22nd, the Alaska Supreme Court dismissed the Parks family appeal of a Superior Court judgment. That decision dropped the Petersburg Borough from a wrongful death lawsuit over a 2016 van accident. The crash killed 18-year-old Molly Parks and 19-year-old Marley Geisbricht, the daughter of Petersburg's borough manager. As KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports, the Parks family is shifting its focus to changing the state's compensation law for those who lose their lives at work. Molly Parks was an employee of the Petersburg Borough's Parks and Recreation when she died in the 2016 vehicle crash. She and three other workers were on their way to set up for a running race as part of the borough's 4th of July celebration. The driver, Chris Allen, suffered a seizure in the moments before the van drove through a guardrail. Madonna and R.D. Parks have been seeking justice for their daughter's death for nearly seven years. R.D. says the family never got answers from the borough. It's been hell. Basically, it's been health since July 4th, 2016. It's not as painful as it was, but it's still incredibly painful, and it will be for the rest of our lives. Her employer just turned her back on us. They killed her, and then they just turned her back on us and never told us anything. Molly was the couple's only child. Madonna Parks says the accident and the ensuing legal battle changed the entire landscape of their lives. I, I never went back to work. I couldn't do it and do this, too. Uh, I, we just visited a niece who had twin boys. We're not going to see grandchildren. You know, she, her classmates are getting married, having babies. Uh, she wanted to be a special education teacher. There's an opening at the school for that. She would have come back and applied. The Parks family's lawsuit initially sought damages from the driver and the borough. At the end of February, the Supreme Court of Alaska dismissed the case. In a two-to-one vote, the court ruled that the borough followed Alaska law regarding the Workers' Compensation Act. Chief Justice Daniel Winfrey and Justice Jennifer Henderson dismissed the case on the basis that the Parks family's appeal was too narrowly focused, and they decided the allegations against the borough and the driver, Allen, do not meet the requirements of an intentional harm claim under Alaska law. However, the two judges acknowledged that Parks' death was likely preventable and said they recognized the harshness of the low compensation available. Under the Alaska Workers' Compensation Act, the Parks family was only entitled to up to $10,000 for Molly's death. That amount was supposed to cover her funeral expenses.
Justice Susan Carney dissented to the ruling, saying, quote, I cannot join in such a clear miscarriage of justice. Carney cited evidence of Allen's long-standing history of seizures before and after working at the borough. The court noted the seizures Allen suffered at work for the borough that same year, including one while working at the Petersburg Parks and Recreation front desk. Allen's supervisors allowed him to continue working as a lifeguard and drive the borough van. That was just three months before the accident that took the lives of Marie Giesbrecht and Molly Parks. Madonna says she and RD are still waiting for answers. How was he hired to work in a facility that is geared towards children? Why did they give him the keys to that van? Was there an internal review afterwards? Was there any policy change? The borough declined to answer questions about the suit. Borough manager Steve Giesbrecht also lost a daughter in the wreck, and he has remained quiet about the incident over the years. Moving forward, the Parks family hopes to work with the state legislature to change the Workers' Compensation Act, which, they say, allows individuals, businesses, and government entities to hide behind the shield of workers' compensation when their actions result in death or injury to their employees. I mean, this is the last thing we will ever do for her. You know, we'll always remember her and honor her memory, but this is the last piece of justice we can get for her. I mean, she just walked out the door and never came home. And she went to a very low-risk job. She wasn't logging. She wasn't fishing. She wasn't in a float plane. She should have come home that night. If the Parks family is successful in getting the workers' compensation statute changed, they hope it will be named Molly's Law. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. The rates of Alzheimer's disease and dementia are rising across the country. But the signs and symptoms of dementia vary widely from person to person, and it can be difficult for family and caregivers to understand the experience of impaired ability to remember, think, or make daily decisions. A virtual dementia tour seeks to bridge the divide by putting people in the shoes of those who are experiencing dementia. KBBI's Corinne Smith took the virtual tour and has this report. The Hospice of Homer office is calm and welcoming, and one room is set up like a small apartment for the virtual dementia tour. Director Holly Dramus begins with directions. During the next few minutes, we will attempt to give you a sense of what dementia might be like. Your physical and sensory abilities will be altered. Dementia is not a specific disease, rather it's a broad set of experiences of cognitive and physical difficulties, including problems with memory, communication, attention, and completing daily tasks. Do your best to immerse yourself in the setting and be conscious of your feelings. It's a full sensory experience. My hands are impaired by gloves and my palms are starting to sweat. My feet are tingling, simulating arthritis and nerve pain. Dark glasses block my vision to simulate macular degeneration, a common eye disease among elders. In addition, we've blocked your peripheral vision. A common behavior we see in people with this disease is that when they are approached from the left or right, they don't know someone is there and can't tell what they're supposed to do. In order to help them with this, we approach directly in front of their face when communicating with them or assisting them. The tour continues into the makeshift department to give attendees an experience of what it could feel like to maneuver and attempt small tasks with dementia. Organizers don't want to disclose the full details of the tour. They want people to experience it for themselves. 
The virtual dementia tour is an evidence-based simulation designed by the Georgia-based nonprofit Second Wind Dreams. It's facilitated by Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska as an empathy-building experience as part of a four-day series of awareness-raising events in Homer. Debbie Chulik is a dementia educator. She sees that transformation for caregivers and participants in the 10-minute tour. It can be frustrating, lonely, or overwhelming. She says she's seen people cry. It's a powerful reminder that, you know, sometimes the quote-unquote challenging behaviors we see in elderly people Maybe there's a reason. Debriefing with Chulik is Homer resident Andrea Steineff. My dad has dementia and I found myself, when I was sitting at the table, I was doing motions like, like I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what he does. Like, <laughs> really? Kind of, the way I kind of scooped everything up and I was kind of staring, like it was weird. I'm like, oh my God. Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia and now affects over 12,000 Alaskans and almost 6 million people nationwide. And the numbers are growing. Alzheimer's Resource of Alaska provides education, care coordination, and memory screenings to support those who have the disease and their caregivers. Hospice of Homer director Holly Dramas says they're also seeing an increase in the number of individuals with dementia in Homer. They provide support for caregivers and families with a team of volunteers and a caregiver support group via Zoom. Caregiver burnout is really, really high. It's so hard for them because dementia is different every day. So it means that they have to constantly, what worked yesterday doesn't work today, and you got to go back to the drawing board and start, like, running through your list of things that they might need. So Drama says leading with compassion and empathy is important. It's not this person has a disease and, you know, they don't understand. It's I don't understand what they're trying to convey to me and how can I work with them, you know, to improve that, improve my understanding of what they need instead of the other way around. It's very patient-centered. If you or a loved one is experiencing memory problems or other symptoms of dementia, contact a doctor or medical provider. There is currently no cure for Alzheimer's disease, but according to the Centers for Disease Control, medications can help protect the brain and manage symptoms. In Homer, I'm Corinne Smith. Taking a look at the community calendar. University of Alaska Southeast registration for the 2023 summer semester is now open. The semester begins on May 15th. Email uas.advising at alaska.edu or call 907-747-7777 for more information. I'm Erin Fulton and this has been Raven News.